Bedroom Battle Pass. The Archives. Me and you, Season 2. Alright, let's kick it. section of Canberra Metalheads, you got Marky Malpas and Jay Decay, and we've got the guys here from Bliss for us ready to um, chat more about the song and the, the album, so from left to right we've got um, Pete doing uh, bass and guitar, cool, and I'm Jeannie, I'm vocals and keys, cool, and I'm Dave, I'm drums, awesome, good to, go, good to have you guys here, we're uh, recording this episode at the uh, basement and the um, quiet, you know, <laughs> Sunday after the night before, which is cool to, uh, you know, have it nice and quiet in here and chat get some more about and get music. some chompies. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the reason I'm gaining weight is because since that rest, restaurant's open, it's just convenience, I guess. But, man, we've, uh, we're not shy of the basement here. You guys had the album um, launch here only a few weeks ago. Yeah, just yes. last week, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. last Friday. And uh, how'd all that go? I know that it was... Um, you know, on the calendar for a while. You guys had really cool flyers out. I, um, just all over the place. How did how things turn out? Uh, we were really happy with it, actually. We wanted just a you know a night with a bunch of bands that we like and friends and family. Yep. And um, I think we achieved that exactly. Yeah, it was uh, great. It was good fun. We had about forty or fifty in the back room. Yep. So, um, yeah, it was a really nice evening. Yeah, excellent. Uh, I notice a lot of the um, bands say the back room. Um, has more of a sort of um, like as far as intimate vibe yeah like more intimate vibe Um, you guys feel that on stage as well Uh, definitely yeah I think we're all fans of the back room over this one I think if you have 40 or 50 people in the front room it's it's like tumbleweeds rolling through (laughs) (laughs) um, but it feels like a crowd out the back so yeah yeah. when we booked it we could have chosen either room actually Um, we specifically wanted that room cool Um, Jules on sound. Absolutely. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, right. He's a magician in that room. Yeah, man. He <laughs> gets it to sound just magic, both on stage and out. I know there's not a lot of room between on stage and out the front, yeah, but yeah. it just sounds great. Easy to play. Easy to work with. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I, um, Thanks, Jules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. I think he likes what we do generally, so I think he has a little bit of an interest in maybe going above and beyond, I don't know. We always yeah. get a fantastic sound with him. So. Yeah. I think it's um, when you've got an ear for it, you, I, I know that obviously sound guys can mix via levels, but um, I think this came up when we were talking to one of, one of the other bands. Like, if if they know the songs, they know what they're meant to sound like as yeah. well. Yeah. Like, it, it tends to be easier to mix what you know. I think it was interesting too because I'd promised Jules I'd get the album to him a couple of weeks in advance and he'd have a listen and everything would be great and then, you know, stuff happens, (laughs) things conspire. He had 24 hours with the album (laughs) before the gig and he was still in soundcheck saying, oh, can you play me this section from track four? I want to hear how that sounds. So... He's he's a professional that guy. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, and he did he did do that. There were some effects and things taken from the album that he was attempting to replicate for us live. So nice. yeah, there's certainly an, an advantage to them understanding where you're coming from and and how you want things to sound so they can pursue it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it was a fun little night. 
escape syndrome acoustically. Uh, yeah, that was a bit drummer, of a slicing his hand open the week before. Yeah, Bloody right. Baron Spencer's. <laughs> <laughs> we actually um, had the guys from Escape Syndrome um, on the show, and funny that you mentioned that because that was the interview that it came up that we were talking about when the sound guy knows the song. Yeah. Oh, right. But we Big were talking up. about when the fans know the song. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's yeah. the difference between people. Um, being able to be like, oh, you guys play that better at this venue or, you know, I think that that bit you added in there at the end of the solo is awesome or, you know, yeah, things yeah. like that. Yeah, to notice the nuance and, and the changes you make as you, as you play through live. Yeah, I guess that's kind of the goal really for any musician is to get people interested enough that they absorb what you do well enough to notice those things when they, they see you play live. I guess, like on the new album, you know, we've got a bunch of layering and other stuff that we don't do live, so you know, people might actually see a difference now that it's out there. Um, you know, we've got a lot, of, a lot of stuff tucked away in the background on the album, and yeah, yeah, they um, haven't really had the opportunity. But we to prefer not to play with backing tracks or samples or anything. Yeah, like that. yeah. We just like to belt it out. So <laughs> it yeah. does change things a little bit. I've noticed the last couple of months since I've heard the album properly. Yeah. You know, when you're tracking, you're recording, you Absolutely. don't really hear it properly. Now I get up on stage and there's certain sections of certain songs where I'm hearing what's on the album and yep. it's not coming out of the band. It's like, oh, shit, I better learn how to yeah. play something on yeah. that, on the keys. Even when we're rehearsing, like I'm hearing bits, you know, some of the layers in my head as we're playing through it, but they're not there. They're not there, rehearse. yeah. But I think we still, um, it comes across very well. Um, live without samples. Well, it's a bit more raw. That's the plan, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that... Um, so, albums, we've talked about that on the show. We've the guys from Clarity Chaos. I actually went down and watched them record that one oh, at cool. yeah. a studio called The Studio. <laughs> um, and they've done a couple of bands lately, but that was their first metal band oh, right. that they've done there for the album. And um, when... The album came out, Jamie gave me a copy of it and we're listening through and we're like, he's like, man, I've heard this track so many times. <laughs> and so um, you get, you, you kind of, you get numb to the sound of, of the track because it becomes part of the process. Yeah, yeah. Um, the way they actually recorded is they came in, Darren smashed out all the drums in the first day then took four days off and came back and listened to what they'd been doing in the meantime so they had a fresh set of ears over yeah, it right. it was interesting to hear that they did that dynamic also he was practicing to do his other projects as well so he had to smash it out in one day came back and then he retracked the drums um and they got a take between the two yeah right. so that's how, how they worked it but how did you guys um go oh first of all where did you record a little studio called Neon Dog okay. in our backyard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Dave and I, um, what, four years ago now? Something like that, yep. Built a studio and a garage in our backyard, mm -hmm. um, which was a bit of a university of YouTube figure it out as you go along <laughs> type project. Um, With lots of swearing along the oh way. Oh, yeah, man. It took a, we'd, we'd planned to, I think it was a four-month build was the plan. And it took us about it basically took 12 months yeah. to finish it off. Anyway, so we did it at home, which was a real luxury. Yep. A real luxury um, to be able to take the time and, and do things like that. 
go back and have a listening and that's actually not what we wanted. I guess we approached it very differently to go into a studio and smashing it out when you're paying for their time. Yeah. Like we've probably worked on it for a year and a half. Yeah, it was spread out over a, a fair period so, of time. we track yeah. some guitars, track some drums, and then, you know, go back to rehearsing for a gig or whatever we're doing, um, and then go back and do a bit more and a bit more. And so I think we're fairly numb to the, the songs <laughs> in the end too. <laughs> Yeah, when it's over a year and a half, you do get that way definitely. If you uh, if you listen over and over, and of course when you're analysing, you lose a bit of perspective on the song. I think it's as different an entity, uh, you know, rather yeah. than as a bunch of technical aspects um, to do with sound and performance. But it it but was also nice having that time and sort of not the pressure, I guess, of a studio. Definitely, so, yeah. You know, we could go back and. You know, over multiple evenings or multiple weeks, might just work on one part sort of thing, so and get it right and try different things and yeah. And yeah. I think given it took so well, I, I know given it took so long, the first couple of songs that Dave tracked drums on, we ended up well. He, I keep saying we. Dave did like eighty-five percent of this. <laughs> Pete and I just came along and made some noise. Um, he went back and retracked them again. You know, a year later, and it made a huge difference to sound quality i mean we're yep. learning how to use our own space and you know it, it, it took a long time but i think it was worth it yeah yeah we'll know that when we retract this episode as a canberra metalhead's best off in 12 months time we'll our we can then feel that same experience <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting though that perspective issue because um not I didn't listen to any of the parts for I reckon a good six months mm. in between finishing tracking probably the last guitar overdubs is probably the last stuff that really came through. Yep. Um and Dave's out there every day. Not quite. He spent but working on something hours else. On this thing. Yes. And then all of a sudden it comes back into the house from this gorgeous little room in in the backyard comes back into the house into the real world and it's actually an album it yeah. was really cool yeah yeah because dave's done all the mixing and mastering and all that sort of stuff so you spent a lot more on it than you've got a lot more invested yeah, than any a, of us i've been a so. little more buried in it i guess <laughs> 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 is the um like the dad of the band there with like the um, <laughs> like you've worked on the kids science project <laughs> a little bit <laughs> you yeah know what i mean like just like you know what's up <laughs> And you all submit it together. But it's like, I've worked too long and hard on this. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting to keep it all in the family like that. Yeah, there's no external producer. There's no tracking engineer. There's no mixing engineer. There's no, it's just us. And it's, it's um, interesting to have a look then at this piece of plastic on the table and think, shit, we made that. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. It's nice. Like it's I've sort of said, you know, I've played in bands on and off since high school and yep. I've never got a finished CD or album together. Yep. So it's a nice thing to have. Have, so, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Man, I was talking about this, like high school bands. Yeah. Um, I think the f first little... Th I, I'm not in a band. I play around, I play bass on the side and I do a little bit of this and that. The first ever little project that I ever had was a, was a thing we called ourselves the Violent Smurfs. <laughs> played Nirvana covers. Yep. Like it's just funny to hear the evolution of 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 things. And you mentioned high school bands, yeah, yeah. And, yep. and, and, and like after high school, you get into other projects. Guys, like when we interviewed the guys from Witch Skull, oh yeah, Joel and Marcus, you know, like 
Armored Angel and Looking Glass. Yeah, yeah. Pros type level stuff. Those guys used to, after school, hang out when they were 15 years old and play vinyls, you know, at, at their place. You know, it yeah. was just all that starts at, at a um, at that level. Yeah. I, I think that music teachers in school have a butterfly effect on massive projects, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you totally. don't know... Tell, telling some dude in high school to like, oh, look, there's too many keyboards being used. Do you want to just grab a guitar for today so that we can get, finish a final assessment? Could eventually equate to like the next big band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there were a lot of bass players formed in high school bands because there were too many guitarists too. Yeah, I've right. definitely I heard that story a bunch of times <laughs> where... Yeah. Like we've got four guitarists, but no bass player who yeah. wants to switch <laughs> over. And next thing you know, you've got a you got a bass player. So. I think singers are also thin on the ground in high school too. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing because um, in that awkward high school years, you kind of, no one wants to be the front person. Yeah. Everyone wants yeah. to be the one that you know can step up and do a solo. But then when they're done, people don't look at them anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you, get a, you get a break from being the centre of attention. Although an occasionally you find people who don't mind being the centre of attention. Well, occasionally. But, you know, no one really wants to be, even people who stand on chairs and yell, look at me. Um, there's, it's interesting being a bit older now and chatting with the guys up front, you know. Seppi loves being the centre of attention, but he and I talk about, how nerve-wracking it is yeah. you know we do it and we we love it at the moment yeah but you don't really want to do it oh man <laughs> I, so i've known sapi for years and that's yeah. the same thing like you see him go up and do crazy frontman stuff but then when i do comedy it's like man i couldn't do that yep oh like, god me too like, i'm so I'm with you man. <laughs> man it's just like man you've got like i've seen him w- with gigs here and you've seen all, all sorts of uh, nights here where Seppi or, or anyone in that scene has been up the front playing in front of all these people. Like I've seen a 90s cover night. Yeah, yeah. Do, yeah. And yeah. is playing to a packed room and he's like, oh man, you got balls to do comedy. I yeah. feel the same way. It's too exposing, man. At least with a band, there's two other, well, in my case, there's two other people on stage you can kind of hide behind. <laughs> you're all on your own up there, yeah. dude. Even though you're the front person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, like the the way you do it is pretend you've got a band behind you. Ah, I guess. fair enough. So like you see <laughs> yeah. the comedy band stuff, but I know that um when when it so you mentioned that you do a lot of the um a lot of the album and stuff was like um in mixing and editing and all, all that sort of stuff, um but then you've got obviously the bass, the low end, yep. and things like that. Um, how is it to put it all together? I know everybody has their own. Um, picture of their own task but I guess when you're doing an album you've got to think of everybody yeah. um, how was it putting it all together in, in one finished product well I guess um, when I say we pl- well I play bass I actually play guitar because we don't have a bass player mm-hmm. and we um, actually split up the guitar signal and drop it down through some effects octave down and stuff like that so I'm doing both guitar and bass parts oh, that's interesting um, so it's a little bit of a different dynamic and sound, I guess. We've um, in the past we've done some gigs with bands that have done this sort of thing, like King of the North and Dallas Frasca and stuff like that. Okay. And something I wanted to try, and it actually worked out pretty well. So um, I guess in terms of recording, we'd start 
with some drum tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just rough guide we, tracks. We tried a couple of different approaches along yeah. the way, but, but generally we'd have something by way of a drum guide and then and start building from there. And then um, just start working through all the different, you know, instruments and sort of add your layers and your vocals last, I guess. So yeah, it was it, when it comes to some of those things like like the the bottom end is yeah. generally filled by a bass sound, a split from a guitar yeah. into a bass sound and, and some we, of the keys. We would track, like even though we're splitting up the guitar signal and I'm playing both parts live at the same time, we'd track them all separately. So I'd just play the bass parts, you know, for the recording sort of thing and maybe play some different bass parts to what I do live and add some more stuff in and that sort of thing. I don't so remember, did you ever actually play a bass? No. No, I you always play the guitar. But um, I didn't pick it up for the recording. Yeah. No. Cool. You've actually got that bass now. I know. So. <laughs> i got to learn how to play bass. Anyway, not for this project. Um, yeah. yeah, so not having any bass on the album, like bass guitar on the album at all, um, is a little bit different, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you'd say. Yeah. But it is, it's what we do. We don't play bass guitar Jenny on stage. also so. plays a bit of keys. Dave added some keys in for the recording, which you obviously don't do live while you're playing drums. Yeah, it's a little tricky. Um, so there's certain <laughs> sections where the keys add a lot of bottom end too. So Yeah, that definitely contributes. But it's also into, the, in, it's not just the recording process, the, the songwriting process. We don't tend to... It takes a while for us to write a song. We don't nope. tend to just kind of go, oh, yeah, that's that's good enough. We'll come out with a kernel of an idea and things will happen. And then the next thing you go, oh, let, we need another section. Someone go and write another We're section. We're not really a band that sort of just jams on an idea and it comes out. Like yep. I tend to write something, I'll send it to these guys. They might come up with some parts or whatever, drum parts. But then we'll start looking at it once we're familiar with it, I guess, and... We take our time. Like songs seem to take a few months to get together. Yeah. yeah. And I think we're making a bit hard on ourselves sometimes too with the stuff we're writing now. Yep. I think we're trying to push ourselves a little bit more. Yep. But even some more of those, so than what's on the album. Yeah. So. And some of those sonic um, decisions about do we need do we need a, a, <coughs> a bottom end sound here? Does Jeannie need to learn how to play with more than two fingers at a time? Type <laughs> stuff. Um, happens in the writing process so recording was more about capturing that idea rather than adding layers for the sake of it right you know they were written to sound a certain way and we can't always achieve that on stage so the the chance to make it sound the way we'd hoped that it might sound on the album was really cool as close as you can to a live performance in album form yeah yeah, yeah, and and adding all those things that you can't do live yeah so there's a bunch of stuff in there but a lot of it is tucked sort of right in the background Mm -hmm. on the album so i think when we play live you still get the gist of what it is yeah in in essence it's our live set but yeah there are a number of other aspects um some of those were sonic decisions too which is um they they came about during the mix phase and and just the realization that at particular points the guitar might go up high enough that that it opens up a gap between the guitar and the bass sound um from just from a frequency perspective um not from a musical one so there were a few things that got added simply to fill those gaps and to make everything sound coherent 
the whole way through, or yep. hopefully. So <laughs> yeah. We way. hope it sounds coherent. Um, but yeah, that that was kind of a learning experience for me as well to realise that that some of those instrumentation decisions came down purely to sonics, yep. um, and that it it wasn't about this needs something to make it more interesting or this needs something to to you know add energy or whatever but simply to mm. to fill out the sound and to to round think, out that yeah. frequency response the songs carry enough weight on their own we think as <laughs> yeah. it is so and we generally have a you know a pretty good response when we play them live yep. so yeah just adding a bit of color and texture i think for the album too mm. so yep yeah perfect i know that uh if some background on on jay he went from bass to guitar um over the years so it's be cool to hear like the the him weigh in on what it'd be like to have a guitar playing the low end yeah so i've played around with this before um yeah so it's just different techniques for different things yeah we kind of wanted you know the three of us i think we have a nice dynamic we get along really well and it's nice being in a three-piece band we don't want to introduce a fourth or fifth member or anything like that so and this was something i'd wanted to try for a long time yeah yeah and we tried it and i went hey this actually works pretty well let's refine it and stick with it so it's a bit of a different dynamic on stage i think so Mm. see a lot of the heavier bands that just have like nine string guitars and they don't have a bass guitar because they don't need to that will do it too range yeah yeah um those kind of things so i don't know I, i think that depends on how you play the instrument is what what it's used for yep yeah and whether you're using it to fill space or whether it be uh, a instrument or whether it's yeah it's it's all different man bass is used for a lot of different things yeah <laughs> it's a fun instrument yeah. it's like you can see it as a front piece as well i know absolutely a lot of the like that that whole 90s scene with like the metal hip-hop stuff you'd have guys uh, like like corn limp biscuit all yeah. that sort of stuff just having like their bass guitarist as, as a front man as well so yeah, yeah absolutely or, um, you know, so les claypool and yep. uh, those kind of like technical next level kind of funky bass players and then you've got like uh dudes from bands like necrophagus and stuff who are like doing exactly what the guitars are doing yeah or more yeah like, yep. uh you know origin with you know he's doing sweeps at 62 notes per per beat per bar at like yeah uh, 260 bpm yeah. <laughs> wow so, like, oh yeah bands like the omnific which we saw recently oh man those guys Cog are amazing in, in up at wollongong um two bass guitars and drums and that's it yeah, so. mm-hmm. yeah. and then you see dudes like uh, there was a bass player here in canberra called lachlan i think he was yeah, in yeah yeah you know lachlan uh, and so he would play bass, but he'd be like lead bass. Yeah. And then he'd play like an organ with his feet because he had taken the foot pedals off a, uh, off a Moog and would play like the actual bass notes with his feet while he was playing lead bass over the top and went for that stonery rock. Insane. Kind of big doom sound. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, you mentioned before the three-piece. We hear that with bands, as we mentioned before, bands like Witch Gold, that are, they've tried, like, an extra member and they're happy to keep it in for. Um, a callback to that episode, a funny thing that um, came up was the tuning, and it's part of the reason why we talk more about tuning and equipment and, and gear. Yeah, and recording process. Yeah. yeah. Because 
it all came up with that episode that oh that's a really cool aspect behind the band because not always when you see a band play live you pick up on all the gear you might be like oh cool he's got this brand and that sort of stuff but like it's a chance to talk more about specifically what's worked for you and what's not worked for you Um, but what came up in that episode is basically Marcus had to change the tuning on the guitar because Tony was just like I'm not changing my standard bass tunings. (laughs) 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 Play versus low bass. Yeah, like you. Yeah, you. You change the guitar tuning. It's just hilarious. If you listen back to the episode, that there's a section there. um, Tony just goes. Bass guitars have four strings, man. He's got this Brooklyn accent. Yep. Bass guitars have four, <coughs> four strings, man. Bumper, bumper, bumper. Write that down. Four strings. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did end up making. I don't even know what tuning it is, but it's tuning to fit my range vocally more than anything. Yeah, most else. of our stuff is sort of drop C sharp and drop C, which works with your range, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. So we um, we started writing. Just Pete and I in a, I think it was in your spare bedroom. Acoustically, we yeah, were just doing some with covers. With an acoustic guitar. And we got one song. We got one up. song going and we thought, oh, this is kind of cool, but I can't hit that note that I want to hit. Next thing we know, Pete's tuning down. The whole band now is down in this kind of, uh, as you say, dropped C sharp. Dropped C say? sharp. And <laughs> yeah, some songs are dropped C that we're starting to write now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's I like obviously like the heavier guitar sound, yep. um, but it suits Genie's range very well. So yeah, perfect. And we were doing this acoustic thing. It was just going to be a duo doing some covers and maybe one or two originals. And we thought this is actually sounding decent. Why don't we get see if Dave wants to come on board with drums? Yeah. So kind of spiraled from there, I guess. So cool. Yeah, transformed a bit, didn't it? From yeah, acoustic in the and I guess to a fairly heavy band in the end, but yeah. 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 And you know, we have sort of heavier parts, but we have a lot of big ambient and clean sections yep. and stuff like that. And yeah. I think we're just writing stuff that we enjoy. Like you might be able to hear some of our influences, but I don't really think we sound like anyone in particular, which is a good thing. So yep. yeah. Yeah. We're just doing it for the enjoyment of it I think at the moment not really writing for other people so yeah it's perfect man it's a bit mm. like um, we had um, so it's part of the album launch which oh, they actually had um, they yeah. had oh, yeah. Grand Duke playing for um, the um, the support on that gig yep. and then we had them on the show because I was like that was really cool to, to yep. see that and um, it's similar approach to what they had they, they just don't categorize themselves as a genre um they know what bands they play well with on a bill yeah but it's what they want to write and they want to play um speaking of tuning by the way it's audio so they can't see what i'm talking about but (laughs) we're at the basement and if anyone's been to the bar one of the funniest questions i've been asked is what tuning is that top string in? <laughs> <laughs> because behind the bar, there's the guitars, yeah. and the top one is legitimately like a one, um, like a, it's about a quarter inch cable, yeah. and it's hanging nearly touching the next string. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think that's a cool concept for a night when I was asked. It was like a, a doom night where Bellwitch oh. and um, Conan played. 
That's what they need. Yeah. Like, it's nearly the touch that the band needed where the top string touches the next string because it's so low. You just hear those, string, hear those strings rattling. Yeah. Like, yeah. Third octave, drop E. <laughs> when you say third octave, they mean it's like touching the next string. <laughs> like if the strings were like at the keyboard. Yeah. It's touching the next octave. <laughs> um, back to the, the relatable, non-visual part of this con, this, of the of the podcast. Um, we mentioned before keyboards and adding that to the band. Uh, we've actually had now three bands with with keyboards in it and um, with the addition of keyboards to Jay's project as well with Inhuman Remnants, um, adding that element to the band, which is cool. Um, like I said before, Jay's the tech knowledge standover man for when <laughs> I can't... The standover man. <laughs> I mean, anyone that just heard me try to explain optives knows that I'm in over my head already. <laughs> um, so, have you always had... I, I know that we had previously a band on, on, the, on the show um, that had added keyboards later was it always something that you you guys had or was it that came in um later that's actually a really good question it, it came in a little later it actually started because um <laughs> i i had written a drum part for you one of the, the tunes i'd written a drum part for one of the tunes that incorporated some um some triggered samples of yep. playing them but but samples um and we sort of came to the realisation that it would be nice to incorporate more of that. And while we're at it, then if we got a controller for Jeannie to, to um, trigger some samples, it might as well have some keys on it as well and she could start adding layers. So it grew out of that. We, we got a what is a pretty cheap and uh, cheerful cheap. Oh. Um, controller and it was just running sounds out of GarageBand on a, yep. on a laptop. And, oh, yeah. um, and, and I think that's why they're creeping in more and more, just going back to what you were saying, is, is that they're so versatile. Yep. And and it's so easy to set yourself up with something that's so versatile that it seems almost crazy to not include them, even if they're only being played occasionally. You you just open up so many possibilities in a band by having that element in there. So, and yeah. it's, I, I mean, I love it because I get to tell people that I play keys, but I I don't know what I'm doing. I can't <laughs> play keys. Yeah. I can I can hit notes. Yep. Um. So. Well, that's Coming playing up, keys, really. I'm, I'm you can't know, play piano in a formal sense, but yeah. Describe <laughs> what they're doing. It's like the guitar hero of of musicians. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it is. No, it kind of is. It kind of is. It starts with this. Oh, we'll, we'll do a little bit of you know. Can you just do these two notes? I'm going to get hate from you oh, from, yeah. from the, the two other keyboardists we've had on the show before. You it may not subscribe. be for other keyboardists, but it's absolutely true for me. It yeah. is a little bit like that. But, but, but I think it starts with that. You know, play these two notes. Yeah, I can play two notes, no problem. Yeah. Okay, how about you try and play three notes? Oh yeah, I can do that, no problem. You know what would be really cool if we had the keys going under that guitar line? Oh shit! All right, and try and figure out how to play that. And I'm just, um, I think there's one out of the blue actually, one track on the album where I actually wrote a keyboard line. Yep. And it blew my mind that I was able to do it. 
and it's really cool and I don't think I'll ever be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it kind of starts with that, oh, what if we yep. kind of, the ability to, and having our own jam room and our own recording studio yep. means that we have that, you know, we have that opportunity to just say what if a lot. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, well, Yeah, doesn't we work, try a bunch right. of stuff and a lot of stuff doesn't work out and we'll ditch it or change it around. Um, and you're certainly not playing the keys all the way through. No. Like mm. you're, you're singing first. Yeah. yeah That's your yeah. thing. Yeah, I and think the three-piece is part of that motivation yeah, as well. Yeah. The fact that we are relatively limited in, in how many things we can throw at an audience. So anywhere where we can um, to, to add some extra elements is, is a good yeah. thing. So and as we've said, we want to be able to replicate it live, you know, sort of without samples and stuff like that. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good to hear as well as as you guys adapt differently to different notes changing the style of what you write it also changes how and how you write and how how you play so like you mentioned before oh now all of a sudden i'm writing for keyboard as opposed to it's not it's not a backup instrument it can be a front piece now yeah, so as you right. guys evolve yeah. it also it's creeping adds in to it. creeping in more and more i think yeah yeah I think it's, it's even little things like um just at the very beginning of the project I've been singing for a long time. Yep. I had no idea that I could sing some of the parts that we've written for this. I've been singing since I was three, and I yep. still didn't know I could yeah. necessarily do that. Yep. So being able to explore those things, it's one of the other benefits of being a three-piece with three people who know each other well. Mm-hmm. I don't ever think if I make a mistake, I'm going to get laughed at or pointed at or what the hell um, to do that for. I guess we're friends. So it just frees us up know, We're bit. friends first, I guess. So it's very democratic and you know we're quite comfortable to call it how it is if we don't like something if we do like something no one's going to get upset or anything like that yep it's one of the few bands i've been in where there's no politics or anything like that it's it's the key to to being happy for longer you know what i mean yeah it's it's not just bands it's like relationships and it is a relationship isn't it absolutely everything is all they're definitely yeah. like marriages. It's exactly, yeah. so. um, you know the 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 whole like talk about it, get it out, do the thing that you need to do to fix it, learn from it, and and evolve as opposed to dwelling on the on the thing. It's legitimately like a relationship. It's yeah. just and, and it, but it also produces. It's very public. Like you guys mm. can how well the band's meshing and how interesting the songs are and how, you know, um, much progression you guys get affects what people see on stage. So Definitely, it's, yeah. yeah. It changes um, everything. Yeah, and I think that affects the relationship as well. Mm. The, the thing you don't tend to have in a, in a marriage or a personal relationship is other people's opinions weighing in heavily on how you should behave with each other (laughs) but with a band you have that aspect as well everybody's getting feedback from from friends from people at shows and and that weighs on their minds and contributes to then how they view something that used to be only between a few of you yeah and and i think that's why a lot of them last a few years and then start to struggle is because all of that outside influence creeps in that you don't have when you first get together and just jam and nobody's hearing the songs and nobody cares really what you're doing Mm. um 
so you all just get to work amongst yourselves but then you add this whole other layer of external input to a relationship that can be hard enough to juggle just between the, mm. the yeah. two or three or four yeah, of, yeah. of you that are involved so yeah well, like in any any marriage every few months doesn't need to go up in front of a bunch of people yep. to show how good the marriage is going. Yeah, yep. exactly. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and and yeah, I'll be judged for it. I call that family gathering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know exactly. That, that, that's Maybe called the scrutiny. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, there is a bit of that, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah that, that's called a barbecue. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's, that's how it all works. And it's good to see you guys are all, all meshing well and producing... Um, some products getting yeah get and all under your own steam which is cool um of the diy yeah yeah we've really enjoyed having that that influence over it that control over it so yeah so everything you're doing is um yes like i said even even the the flyers i was looking for the bit to peel the back off because i thought it was a sticker it was so thick you know it's just like all quality stuff which is really cool um i think we're more about we try and aim for quality and not quantity. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, that, that's exactly right. And uh, speaking of um, some um, products and things as part of this episode, we'll be doing a giveaway as well. So you've got, um, there's some uh, shirt um, stubby holders and also a chance to win the new album as well. So um, as part of this episode, there's a Facebook post, you got... Um, just check that for the details but that's what the prize pack we're looking at for for this episode um thanks so much for that and yeah thank no you worries. guys Massive. for for bringing that in thank you for having us on board we appreciate it man always always let you guys came to me and sort of um initiated it at first you guys were on the radar obviously because we've had escape syndrome on the show before and i follow closer I, I kind of the you know the way that social media algorithms work <laughs> more interactions with bands means that you're going to see their content more so obviously escape syndrome led to you guys yeah. which then led to us being able to have this chat today so thanks for nice. coming on the show and um thanks, thanks for, for having us talking about the album and the band excellent cool. thank you very much been listening to um, the episode with Bliss for us on Canberra Metalheads. Hello and welcome to the interview section of Canberra Metalheads. You got Nick Oliveri from uh, Queens of the Stone Age and hey. also the Nick Oliveri um, project as well, coming through the basement. Um, this one here is a fairly quick release episode, so this one um, as we're here on Wednesday night and the show show goes out this week, and we've got tour announcement dates um, coming up for the rest of Australia, so that's cool to. Uh, cool to have on the bill and like i said man we're getting big international bands or, or acts coming through through canberra cool. and uh you're on that list man so it's really cool Thank to be you. hanging out really humbling to have you here cool, i've been man. i've been working at the basement since 2012 man and i never thought i'd be sitting down with some of these big names in the, in the scene so yeah, great man it's great to be here I, i'm trying to trying to wind down from a, the travel and um but I, i'm doing a good job here you know yeah i'm doing all right i need a that's right. You need a beer? No, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I'll get one later. I'll get one later. Cool, cool. Now we, uh, that's another thing too. Like we like to make sure everyone's sorted, you know. Yeah, so you gotta keep, gotta keep full of piss. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> keep everyone happy, man. <laughs> I um, but yeah, no, I I dig that we can, you know, hang out and talk. Um, obviously this is a big tour. It's fairly, all dates are fairly close together. Um, has it? How long's it been since you've been on a on a tour? I got home. I've been out since April April 9th. 
Yep. Started in Ireland and uh, did acoustic dates for about a month. Yep. And then my band flew over on a generator and we did about 14 dates. Yeah. Then they flew home and I stayed back and recorded with a band called the Sons of Alpha Centauri in England. Yep. I've been writing vocal lyrics and doing vocals with them. Yeah. And Alfredo Hernandez from Tyus plays drums on it. So that's a good project I got coming up. And, uh, and then I went home for about two days and I had to get to Detroit, which takes two days to drive there. So yeah, I got my yeah. van, registered <laughs> it, insured it, got my van, drove my van to Detroit, started a tour of Church of Misery with yep. Mondo Generator opening up from Japan, this band, and uh, toured around and we got, we got to Nashville. Yep. I flew back to Europe for the dwarves, playing some dates with them. And I just got home a week ago. I had a water pipe break at my house, so I was digging that up in the yard. <laughs> and then I got on a plane and came here. Oh, man. So I've been just like, my whole year's booked out. Yep. I get home, I go do more dwarf stuff. and So I, I kind of have my whole year booked out. I'm going to Brazil with Model Generator. We're making a new record in August. Um, after we, I go back to Europe with the dwarves in August, and then I come back and I make a record with Model Generator, a new one. Then I have some scatter dates until October, and then November I go to Brazil with Mondo, and then I finish out the rest of the year with the Dwarves. So, and I start back up with Mondo in January, February, and March. So, yep. got my whole year into next year booked Man, up. Man, that's full on. Like yeah. that's tour life there. That's on I the stay, road. Staying busy and keeping out of trouble and just keeping myself going. You know, yeah. if, I, if I'm feeling strong, I got to keep going. You know. I, I get it, man. Um, it's like any other job. I just happen to have a job that I really, really like. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's cool to you know, hear. I mean, but if I, if I was working, doing anything else, I, I would have a schedule, you know. And so I tried to book my whole year out so I could stay busy and know what I was going to do. Because sometimes months from now, I go, what do I do now? And this yeah. way I can, I know what I'm doing and I can keep it rolling, you know. Yeah. Uh, keep myself busy. I get that, man. I uh, understand with a lot of touring bands that we interview, like it's full on on life on the road. I, 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 I can I'd man. imagine, man. Like from the tour and things like that, and over the years, is there any like cool tour stories, moments that you were there's like? There's tons wow. of them, yeah. There's tons of them, but you know, I mean, where do I start? There's so many, so many different things that happen, and, and so many things that are still happening. It's like yeah. it's been, it's never, it's it's boring, but it. Is also there's moments when it's like wow you yeah. know there's a lot of there's a lot of hurry up and wait parts, yeah. you know? a lot of downtime where you're sitting around and waiting for a plane or waiting for you know the van or whatever you're waiting for and yeah waiting for the show to happen basically or get to the next place and the travel time is what takes a long time the cool. travel time is what kind of can, you can just find it sucking sometimes <laughs> like, oh. that's I, the waiting but when time. you get there it's worth it yeah know? yeah and you get to play and, and uh, meet people and have a good time you know yeah cool man uh what sort of uh, obviously touring through the states and now over to here is there any standout venues obviously we're at the basement but without a biased opinion what sort of cool venues have you played is there any like ones that you're like man i love that place anywhere in the states yeah there's some good places you know i like you know there's places like chicago there's an empty bottle and and there's places like you know new york there, there used to be a place called Coney Island High that used to exist. I really used to love playing there. Yeah. It isn't there anymore, but unfortunately, it was a really great place to play. And uh, at the Bowery, it's cool to play. New York, and um, I really enjoy myself there. And, um, a couple different places, you know. Um, 
Austin used to have emos and it doesn't exist anymore. It's not a big giant venue. It's yeah. different, you know. But the Blue Flamingo used to be cool there and stuff like that, you know. Just it's smaller cool venues are small also venues cool, are the best, man. The yeah, best yeah. Ones, man. And, you know, people are cool to you there, and, and um, as long as you're not a dick, you know. Yeah, people yeah. People are cool, you know. Like, and, and my mom taught me not to be a dick, so. <laughs> Is there rum? Be polite, you know, and it's good. Yeah. You have no reason to, to not be, you know. Ah. Thank you, mate. This is Nick Oliveri, Invisible Like the Sky. Yucca, yucca, bam!